This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Wayne. And we're going to talk about Understand by Ted Chang, or Chiang. I say Chiang, it's probably Chang. Um, one of my favorite writers uh, who's still live and still occasionally putting out stuff. Uh, this is a terrific novelette, I guess, as novelette is the length. And um, it's on a topic that I've, I'm very, very interested in, which is intelligence. And also, I always pair it up with stupidity. I think I did a show on this podcast years ago called Stupidity and Intelligence. I always want to pair those two things up because I think if you just think of smartness, you're making a mistake. I hear people all the time. You, and when, when, when you think of stupidity, you think of me. So that's why uh, I'm here today. Uh, hey, I think of me. I think of... I think of uh, a lot of things. It's a very interesting and complex topic because, you know, I have students and they're young people, so they haven't wholly been beaten back by the school system to hate the world <laughs> and learning. And so sometimes they, they can exhibit maybe more true features than a lot of adults do with regard to um, what we might call stupidity or intelligence. And uh, this is a story, understand, about a guy who is incredibly stupid um, because he's been brain damaged and becomes incredibly intelligent. Um, but the title is not intelligence, it's understand. And that is very interesting way to think about it. This is a, a, a long tradition in science fiction. Um, most famous probably is Flowers for Algernon which everybody who hasn't read should read because it's a very powerful moving story, but it's also a very interesting story in terms of the arc that happens within it and how he goes to change and understand things. There's also another uh, very famous story that got turned into a movie <clears throat> or indirectly. Uh, the movie's called Idiocracy. and uh, The story is The Marching Morons, the Marching by, Morons C. M. by C. M. Kornbluth. A guy who was very scary smart. Um, but I hear it all the time. My friend Steen just this day, uh, this week was saying something. He's saying, this guy's really smart. And he's talking about, um, Jeff Bezos, how, uh, how a lot of people who have met him and the other guy runs Facebook is really smart. And Zuckerberg. I'm, Zuckerberg, that guy. And I was thinking about why did, why do the people say that? Why do they, what do they mean when they say they're smart? And I don't know the answer, but I do know a lot of bad answers. And most people have bad answers when it comes to this. So this story is I've got, really I've got a, I've got a short. Mm-hmm. I got a short theory Go answer to that question. I think um, when people refer to uh, you know the Zuckerbergs uh, of the world as uh, smart, that's their first impression because you've got to be smart to have, uh, you know, become so successful. You know, that's the underlying thought. Success certainly right? seems to be related to smartness. But there and are a lot of very successful, stupid people. Like, uh, there was a story this week, uh, actually, it was just, I was seeing it all over Twitter, was saying um, Bill Maher uh, insulted everybody who likes Stan Lee comics because he says this is 
smart people don't read comics, and our nation is so stupid that Stan Lee is held up as a as a figure of intelligence, or you know, a figure who uh, wrote, wrote a lot of good stuff, and those are for kids, and I'm like, that guy's an idiot when it comes to stuff like this, and yet mm-hmm. he's very successful, and he's not wrong about all, some things, but he's wrong about a lot of things. And so oh, yeah. how, and how is this possible? Bill Maher, Bill Maher has become the, uh, who am I thinking of, like the, the Jerry Springer, <laughs> the Jerry Springer of late night cable sometimes. He's quite I, smart I think, too, you know, apparently, according to some people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, in that uh, he's, uh, I think he's, he's trying to propel interest and propel ratings by being abrasive sometimes, by being, de- you know, deliberately to calculate the fact, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, well, it's it's possibly how he 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 does well in the first place, but I think there's I think there's a bigger issue behind like a lot of that stuff. It it's basically it happens in this story. Um, if if we were doing uh, you know a reading short and deep, I'd get somebody to summarize the story for us. But I I think everybody can just find it. It's on YouTube. It's um, it's on internet. Just type in "understand Ted Chang" and you'll find an audio version out there. Um, I think the what's really interesting is it's about awareness, right? A lot of what's going on, and if you're not aware of the bubbles—that's what usually people call call it uh, today—the bubble you're in, or the blinders you have, or whatever. It yeah. to me, it's all about going back to the first principles. It's like how do you know what you think you know? Exactly. It's uh, that's a division of philosophy yes. called epistemology. Absolutely. It uh, that deals with the um, the the nature of uh, of knowledge, uh, the or where does it come from? Uh, uh, ex- what is it exactly? And, and as you just said, that's how it's always summarized: is how do we know what we know? Um, he hits on a a number of different points of philosophy in here and, and does it really well yes. because he sneaks it in, uh, in, in context, uh, not only of the story, but he uses the actual meaning of it in normal everyday language. And he doesn't, he doesn't burden you, you know, with, uh, jargon. Uh, yeah. All the, you know, the technical talk and, you know, he, he never would have said, Oh, this is epistemology because right away you're going to, uh, you know, turn people off. He'd rather tell his story. Oh, he's a is, very I, skilled. This is this like this is a kind of story where I want to say you have to be super intelligent to have written it. Um. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole premise of, of uh, you know uh, writing 101 is write what you know. <laughs> and uh, he's. I looked him up. He's a, a, a technical writer mm-hmm. uh, for software industry. He's got a computer science degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this whole story is just uh, the whole skeleton of it is uh, uh, writing based on stuff he is very, very studied and very informed Absolutely. on. And, uh, there, are, you know, uh, he, does, he does the integration of hard science uh, into the story uh, seamlessly. And, and it, it, it never trips you up. You know, no. that's what I liked about him. I've never read anything. He's by super, him. he's super smooth, which I normally, I, that's the stuff I don't care about. Like 
we read Paul, you you and I read uh, Arrival. What's that book? Yep. Uh, the original is called Not Arrival. Was it? No, no. The the, the the original is the story of your life. Story of your life, right? So that's the collection that this is. Uh, this story is found in is the audiobook from Tantor. Um, that version, by the way, uh, is read by Todd McLaren, who I normally uh, quite like as a narrator. Um, and you you like that one, Wayne? And you listened to that one, Paul, right? Oh, oh mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. Yeah, um, I it, it, normally it, like his stuff, but I prefer uh, prefer the BBC version uh, for some reason. Um, I've I've not listened to that one. I just I went back to the one I was familiar with. I sh- I should listen to the BBC one one sometime and see to see what the differences are. See if it see if it gets a little a more emotional. Effect. I think is is what it is. Um, and that I I think maybe that just ties me to the that Flowers for Algernon story a little better. The, what's interesting is I see this story as a response to Flowers for Algernon. You guys both read that, right? Oh, I, oh, sure. oh! It's 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 absolutely in conversation to use the, the genre phrase of Gary K. Wolf. It's definitely in conversation with Flowers for Algernon. Mm-hmm. He's thinking of what would Flowers for Algernon look like in the near near future, and so, so he spins out all those implications. Um, for example, Flowers for Algernon, what happens what happens to Charlie is a one off by one lab that they're doing doing this uh, experiment on whereas it's clear that in this story that there that this drug is being tested on multiple people it's it's the modern 21st century sort of drug trials and drug tests and he he spills out the implication okay well he wouldn't necessarily be the first and as we find out in the story he isn't the first person to get superhuman intelligence and that leads him to a Spoiler, I know Jesse loves the word spoiler, fatal error. He 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 acts he until, until he real until, until 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 his opposition reveals themselves. Oh, I see. Uh, he, you're referring to the end of the story. I'm like I am referring to the end of the story. Yeah. It, it, until his opposition reveals themselves with the with the whole little stock market gambit. Our, our our protagonist doesn't quite realize or even think of the possibility that he's not the first person of superhuman intelligence, and he acts as if he does. He he acts as if it's himself versus the normals, whereas it's really, a, really in the end, it's him versus someone who's beaten him to the punch, mm-hmm, and yep. that and he gets so he gets winds up getting caught flat footed. Even when he makes all these preparations, it's still not enough. He's still He's still caught out in the end, which I find really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that it relates back to the original story, uh, well, the original, the um, uh, Flowers for Algernon, is that in that story he starts off as mentally deficient. I don't think it's Down syndrome. It's some sort of uh, developmental problem, right? And mm-hmm. then he uh, is brought up to normal level. But I don't think he goes beyond, uh, you know, average intelligence, whatever that means. Um, right. And then he declines again. Um, well, well, no, 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 no. No. Uh, in Flowers for Algernon, he, he definitely goes to uh, higher than normal intelligence because he's picking up languages and all sorts of things at a very rapid rate. So he definitely goes to maybe not super genius, I'm going to control the world sort of level that we get here. Hypercritical, as it's put in this book. I I thought that that, 
I thought that that was so good, such a great metaphor. He's he's Hyper- going hypercritical. It's he, he's a he's a bomb, right? He's about to go off, and it's it's yep. brilliant. That's a brilliant. Metaphor. Oh, uh- I, I looked up a, a couple of the terms that uh, he used throughout the story because I wanted to figure out um, where he was coming from. I mean, I, I know him being a computer science guy, he's tossing around some pretty lofty concepts that, uh, you know, uh, uh, takes a lot of thought mm-hmm. to figure out what he's talking about. And I saw a quote from him mm-hmm. um, that said, I can find it. Metacognition is the term he used. Um, Metacognition or thinking about one's own thinking Mm -hmm. is something most humans can do, but neither animals nor current uh, AI, artificial intelligence, is capable of. So I I was thinking about that and I looked it up and it it applies to uh, a lot of stuff in in computer science and, uh, you know, the creation of artificial intelligence. So I was thinking about metacognition in in relation to what was going on in the story. Mm -hmm. And as you said, uh, it ended up being about awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. about about being self-aware, about, you know, what's the... What's the nature of uh, of our consci- consciousness? What's the limits of our consciousness? You know, because he, as he was getting smarter and smarter, he wanted that one one more step. You know, he wanted that that third fix of what, what did they call it? Uh, hormone K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, being about uh, awareness and 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 metacognition and and just the the limits of what are the what are the limits of of our um how far can we go how far will intelligence get us and what what will we do with it and that was also uh, one of the points of contention with between the protagonist and the antagonist mm-hmm. between uh Leon who's uh, the protagonist uh, nominally and um Reynolds mm-hmm. I think was the mm-hmm. was the other guy his uh, his nemesis um, they, they, they both had, uh, had that super boost, uh, super boosted intelligence, but they were, they both, they each, uh, held a different, uh, different opinion on how, and how to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they, they had like, con- that was the nature of the tension between them. They had conf- conflicting philosophies of what to do. A morality it, too, it, right? That, morale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I find it really interesting that we get the protag- the protagonist's very self-centered I, I, I mm. philosophy and morality is our viewpoint. And it's, it's only when we contrast to Reynolds who wants to quote unquote save the planet that we, we see how selfish we re- really get Cast and Charles leave how selfish Leon is when we see what somebody with somebody with higher intelligence wants to do for other people, and we get that tension. Be it's like, like oh, I don't care. I just want to boost my intelligence and and basically, yeah, basically go transcendental, and and that's com- fundamentally incompatible with Reynolds' philosophy because because he's talking about basically changing whole industries and doing all this stuff basically for the benefit of himself. Whereas Reynolds nominally has a, wants to basically save the planet. Yeah. The good guy actually won in this. Not that either of them is good, 
But of the two of them, our viewpoint character is actually worse. Yes. Yes. I, I, at least uh, he's uh, his um, the way he justifies it is is not as convincing. <laughs> yep. So, Which mean, is interesting because you know, he's giving us the whole view of the outside world, right? Yeah. And he's say, he's saying uh, um, uh, he he's uh, n- not interested, uh, you know, the 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 normals. Uh, and their world uh, is inconsequential to his aims. He's he justifies it by saying he's uh, he's interested in, in aesthetics and beauty. And mm. uh, uh, the other guy is, uh, says he's uh, he wants to be you know the savior of the world. He wants to save the world yes. from itself. I, I, However, I love the religious. There's one, there's part one of point that. in there when he's like, well, you know, if we we'll we'll try it. We'll 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 try and. Uh, maybe boost some of these people's intelligence too to accomplish our our saving of the world and if a couple of them die in the, in the meantime you know big deal you know so <laughs> he ends up being more of a nah, wait a minute you know you're trying to help the world and uh who are you to uh, uh who are you to decide uh you know who would be a, a, a an excusable sacrifice Mm-hmm. Remember that part I'm mm-hmm. talking about? I do. Where he's like, yeah, it's near the end. That kind of, yeah, it kind of, kind of threw me for a loop. He's like, uh, he's, uh, you're thinking he's the good guy all along, he's and then not, all of a sudden, yeah. we're just sympathizing with him because he's smart and he's acting cleverly and he has goals, and and then we realize he's he's actually kind of monstrous. Yeah. Um. Uh, and and he's admirable too. Like uh, the plans he makes. Uh, I, I once discussed this story with um, with Eric, I think, Eric S. Rapkin, um, and he'd not read Tide, Ted Chiang before, and I recommended he read him because I was saying, you know, he's one of the few people alive who I want to read. When he has a new thing coming out, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so excited to read it. I'm going to save it because they don't come out very often, and he's still alive, so there's potential for more, right? This is good. Um, so I was explaining uh, why he he should read it. Then he read it, Eric read it. And then I, uh, he agreed with me. That it was a tr- terrific story as I think everybody does. Um, but I said, how, how, how do you think, or Eric asked me, maybe, how do you think he made this so that we feel the intelligence, right? We feel how smart this character is. How do we, uh, as we see his growth, we seem to grow, Right. This is the same effect that uh, happens in the movie Limitless, which is based on a novel, which I read uh, this week. I'd watched the movie when it came out. You guys both seen this movie? From- yeah, I have a copy of Limitless. I have not seen the TV series, though. Don't bother. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wayne, have you seen Limitless? I have not, no. Okay. It's, uh, Bradley Cooper is some writer who... Um, uh, his ex-brother-in-law gives him a pill to help him with his book, and it turns out to be basically a super-smarting drug. And you have to keep taking it if you want to uh, keep being super-smart, but allows him to do you know work that would take uh, three months in three hours, right? Just super creative and allows you to learn to play the piano and foreign languages and it's stock market trends. Yes, yeah. exactly. And what's interesting is 
is I I read the book after watching the movie, and there's a little bit of difference, especially in the ending. Um, but uh, that book is more about I think it's more about methamphetamine uh, than it is about what's going on in this book, even though they're uh, pretty much the same story. It's about a guy who uses a drug to make himself more intelligent. Um, the way it's executed is quite different in that this is a science fiction story. We know this because it's set in the future. He's working on holograms, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, because it's set in the future, it's published in Asimov's uh, August 1991. And that other novel came out 2001, um, set in New York. They, they're quite different because the writer in that story... First thing he does is clean up his apartment. <laughs> like he he just like gets really He's such a writer. You know, it's like uh, my understanding of methamphetamine is that it makes you really into tweaking. Uh, you know, like you you take out your your motor out of your car. This is the same thing when people are um, uh, in manic mode and they as opposed to depressive mode, right? The bipolar. So they get excited about projects and they take the car engine out and put it in the kitchen, take it all apart, put it all back together. Um, and often it will even work. Right. And they do that in like a couple of hours rather than, you know, over the space of, uh, three weeks on, on the weekend. And that, that's a very different attitude. What he's done here is less about, you know, accumulating new knowledge by, you know, uh, taking language classes uh, as it is magnifying the effect of going over and over and over. And so that's what I was saying to Eric is I think the way this story gives you the sense of, of intelligence growth is by being very careful and structuring it so that we can feel the growth happening, but also yeah. by doing this really fascinating thing is is playing ahead stepping forward and saying if this happens then this will happen right so the sequence where he he wants to get more hormone k he he hacks into uh uh something not really explained how he does it he, but he, he does it yeah he he hacks it he basically hacks into uh a terminal at at his doctor's office so that he can get the passwords mm-hmm. so they have to log in again and that basically set, allows him to set, grab the password so then he can use that password to get into the FDA's secure site. Right. And then once he knows about the shipment, he hacks into the company that makes the hand scanner um, and has a – there's a service port, which is a big mistake. Don't put service ports on your <laughs> devices. <laughs> um, I've, got a, I've got one of those uh, – I've got a – um, safe, you know, like a little desktop safe. And yeah. I didn't want to have one of those ones with a combination because I've got students here and I, I'm not into the whole idea of like covering, uh, or telling them to look away because first of all, that puts me in a bad position. Um, I'm saying I don't trust them, which I don't, but the, that's okay. <laughs> I, I I have to say it, right? That's an indication. So what I have is is a thumb scanner or a right. So you just put your thumb on it. It's a biometric thing, right? 
that's what he's got there. If you've got a biometric device with a service port, you don't have a device that's secure. <laughs> so the one I have has a has a the service ports on the inside, and if if the biometric device runs out of battery or whatever, uh, it just has a regular uh, key lock as well. But I ne- I've never had to use that. So uh, the, those little flaws in the story are just not important. The important part is he has taken all these steps to think ahead. And and that is kind of like what we think of as chess, right? Chess is moves ahead. How many moves ahead? And, sure. And when I'm teaching chess, and I'm not a great, great, great chess player at all. I'm actually pretty bad. But I'm really good at teaching it um, because I get a student who's never had it before, and I show them um, what – I give them a few strategies. Like what you want to do is constrict – your opponent's movements so that they have fewer choices so that you know what they'll do. And that, although that doesn't show up directly in here with him saying that, that's actually what he's doing is he's, he's anticipating and anticipation yeah. and, comes uh, from uh, thinking the, ahead. Right. So that's really what intelligence here is in the story. And that's, and I think, I think uh, well. that made, that made me think Jesse of the, um, one word he uses throughout is, uh, Gestalt. Mm-hmm. And um, I had kind of a vague idea of what that meant. I looked it up. Uh, it's a, an organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. Mm. So I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And, and just listening to you speak now, that's kind of uh, what, um, what his approach to intelligence was, mm. as you were saying being micro uh managing details of everything well that's 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 all the parts he mm-hmm. was uh you know trying to gain uh the the, the gestalt of everything mm-hmm. trying to you know mm-hmm. get the ult- ultimate meaning of everything and that that was his like his mission and um uh, that's the way he he ended up doing it. You know, there's a, a lot of detail to a lot of the things that uh, he experienced as a result of his powers. You know, uh, being able to really um, read a person's body language to such a degree that you know what they're thinking, you know what their intentions are. You know, he got to the point where um, he was being he was being informed of of people's um, intentions and um and nature by uh being able to identify them by the smell of their pheromones mm-hmm. you know i mean there's uh, so so many so many peculiar uh, microscopic details mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. that that his uh, his gaining and use of intelligence was going through all with the idea of putting them together and, and in and of themselves, one little thing wouldn't be all that important, but you know, the, the whole is much more than the sum of its parts. So I think it's a picture he was trying to paint yep. and just processing everything in the greatest depth that you could possibly do. Like, like Sherlock Holmes to the nth degree. I mean, Sherlock Holmes uh, being able to observe a person, observe a scene and reconstruct everything. What our narrator doesn't hear basically takes that to extra sensory levels, but being able to read, the smallest things of pheromones and everything else to basically just get a complete sense of every situation and plan everything out moves in advance. I mean, like the, like the, like the final conflict that we have between the, between the, 
basically the two super geniuses. He's basically trying to map that out. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny that when he, when he starts realizing that it's not working, then it's then it's a matter of to change our chess metaphors going from time chess to speed chess, where you just don't have the time mm-hmm. and you have to intuitively start. He has intuitively had to start trying to react and and try to get one step ahead of his opponent. And it, in the end, it wasn't enough. But there's one thing I want to discuss about this mm-hmm. story. It gets it gets deep into the weeds. It's I mean, basically, this guy's use for intelligence and super intelligence is basically trying to get to transcendental enlightenment. Right. And yeah, he's Buddha. Continually, yeah, continually in the story, it always seems like he's always a step away. So he gets you always seems to be out of reach. I mean, do you think that the point of the story is maybe that that sort of transcendental state is not something that you can actively try to reach that it's like climbing an infinite staircase and no matter how many steps you're going to climb up, Mm. you're never actually going to get there by climbing. And that, that is, that is quest of futile. That's the sense I got from the story on the serene. It's, he doesn't he doesn't go into other creatures intelligence although he does mention in here about you know the animal testings why they never uh showed mass he says it's a critical mass thing right you have to have a certain amount of brain um Begin with, yeah um i was yesterday i was doing reading a lovecraft story with a student and we're going through the vocab and talking about consonants and resonance and that thing and, and sonar and you know what's so like my method is basically the way i do it on the podcast is just ramble but we think about and around the subject and so we got into looking at animals that use sonar like bats and whales and i read moby dick and moby dick's all about sperm whales and sperm whales have these massive um resonance chambers inside of their front of their head right and they have eyes, but they don't really use their eyes. They use their, their sonar to look at things. And we watch some free divers in the water looking, being looked at by, by uh, some sperm whales. And, and the sounds that are coming out of them are really impressive. And then you find out that the sperm whale has a brain that's six times the size of a human brain. They have no hands. And they can't forge metal. And they have no writing implements. So what is intelligence for? What does it mean? Um, this, this is a story kind of like a guy, it's kind of like that um, Greek myth where the guy builds, um, builds a uh, uh, pair of wings and flies too close to the sun, right? That, 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 would, that would be Daedalus and Icarus. There you go. Um, where, you know, he... The, and I guess we've got two two of these characters, although aren't they father and son in that case? I can't remember. They, 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 they are father and son right. in the original tale. In this, yes. um, they're not father and son, but they are they are godlike in their abilities. Um, and and a reason I wanted to read that other book, um, uh, The Dark Fields, aka Limitless, by Alan Glynn, is because it's a it's essentially the same. Uh, story arc you've got a guy who starts off as uh, a normal person and then accelerates and uh in the movie the ending is um he's he's done something like has happened in the book except it's not the hero who does it in here right our our antagonist is the is the real hero of this story 
um, and understand. He's he's moved. He did the moves ahead, and uh, just like in Watchmen, right? The super intelligent bad guy has already won before the movie has started, or the book has started, right? He's already set the things in motion, and anything that the the heroes can do to try and stop and discover who the bad guy is are essentially useless because he's already too, he's already put them in the trap that the the trap where that appears earlier in the story is when he 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 leaves the note at the doctor's office that makes them think that he's he's um incompetent yeah <laughs> or in, not as competent yeah he's was the uh He's gloating, basically. There was a yep. special word for it, but basically, he's he's he, he thinks he's so much smarter than everybody else that he can brag about it, and that is going to be his undoing. They think, but he's right. doing that so that they will be manipulated into doing what he wants. So, this is a real thing and a real phenomenon, and uh, I do it a lot, <laughs> but I don't do it in the way that. Uh, is super evil like he's doing it i do it usually with vocabulary words because that's what my job is mostly is teaching kids you know enriching vocabulary so what i'll do is i i sit them down and after about two minutes of reading i can tell exactly what words are going to be in their vocabulary and what words aren't almost to like 99 percent and that's not a magic trick it's just if you experience yeah experience and it's and it is comes like a gestalt like i i I make a list and i and i say in this next paragraph you're going to have eight words that you don't know and then we go through and we make a comparison and almost always it's the same list right and then if it isn't it's because they missed one of the words that they they think they know because they've read it before but they don't know what they can't use it in a sentence right so that that gestalt and that surprise of him finally realizing, oh, the guy with a psychedelic shirt was actually part of the programming. This is an, yep. an Inception story as well, right? You remember the movie Inception, where oh, absolutely, where they go in and they program something so that it will uh, result in the thing that they want. And this is a kind of uh, manipulation that's literally happening all around us in society and advertising is one of these things right uh i i saw a tweet from my friend misa um and she doesn't tweet that much so i, f- I followed through the link and it took me to a facebook thing and it was a, a an ad i didn't know what it was at first but it's a video where people are watching a screen with uh, skeletons behind it. I don't know if you, it might be really popular on Facebook. It might be a giant meme that I've never, I, I don't really know about. But my friend Mice did this, and it's a it's a people behind a screen, and you see them sort of being close to each other, and maybe kissing, right? But they're skeletons. And then the people come out from behind the screen. Oh, and it's two ladies. They're lesbians, and everybody starts applauding, right? And then you see uh, uh, two more skeletons acting together, and and they say, oh, and it's a black guy and a white woman or whatever, right? And then people are applauding. And then there's uh, two people, and one of them's old and one's young. and Right? So you get this pattern of acceptance, right? 
But yeah, and and uh, dissolving your preconceptions. Right, exactly, you. because everybody's a skeleton underneath or something like that, right? And I, all, yeah. all this whole while I'm watching it, I'm thinking of that scene in, in Total Recall where they use this technology not for good, but to scan everybody and see inside and, and know yeah. what guns they're carrying or whatever. Um, and then uh, Schwarzenegger breaks through the screen, right, at one point in the movie. Um what was so interesting to me about the video was that my friend Misa retweeted or found it and tweeted it. I was thinking, why did she do that? And I said, because it's very effective and it's wordless, right? It's all done through the, 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 what you see. There's no captions or anything. And then at the end, or maybe at the bottom, it says, um, made by the ad council and for some, you know, public benefit. I was thinking, this is exactly why this is so effective is that it can be so effective. A-F-F-E-C-T-I-V, right? E-E. With, it has the emotional resonance. And the way they do it in that ad is to have what uh, this guy named Gerard, um, Rene Gerard, um, calls triangular desire or um, mimetic desire, where you, as a member of a species that is a herd, almost pack-based tribal species that works together on hunts, or works together gathering uh, plant material and, you know, working together by copying technology. That's what we are, right? We're not wolves. We're not um, exactly like other monkeys, although we're similar to some other kind of monkeys. The, the way we work is we react emotionally to how the crowd reacts. And so this the reason this all happens the way it does in the ad is because they are supreme manipulators. Advertising really, really, really works. It works so well that everybody who thinks they're not affected by advertising is completely wrong. And the only way out of this trap is either not to participate in advertising or to be aware of it and try to minimize it. Because if even if even if you you're aware of it, um, if you don't try and minimize it, it's still the dominant chatter, and chatter is what controls actually action, right? So if everybody's chattering about this one topic, then everybody has to talk about that, or at least acknowledge it and move past it, and that is actually a slowdown to I think, which which is some sort of real purpose of intelligence which is something like uh, getting what you want so if advertising is a way of of getting people to do what you want the only way to avoid it is to not participate in that and so it, it's very interesting what drops out of the story in in understand is everybody else in society right that's what the makes the main character a bad guy is that he doesn't care about the other humans around him. That's right. And what makes the other guy a good guy in any kind of sense is that he does care. And the fact that we care is a, a byproduct of the fact that we are the kind of a group animal. And meaning and intelligence are tied together in a very strong way. It's very, very interesting because I hear people talk about what smartness is 
all the time, but they just say this person has it, this person doesn't. And I, I know this can't be true because I thought I was stupid for a long time because I, I was bad at things like math and uh, other things. And it's like, no, there's, I'm not a stupid person. I, I just, I'm not good at learning in school when I'm not taught right. And the, my aptitude is not towards math. But it, it turns out that, you know, you can get serious brain damage and actually become better at math, which is insane. But it's a, a, a phenomenon. And so when he talks in the story here about uh, the the bad guy, what's his name? Reynolds. Reynolds. No. When Reynolds Leon. talks about... Oh, yeah. When Reynolds talks about... um, Here it is. It's on page 117 of the PDF. His regret is evident. His plan can't be implemented without more deaths, those of normal humans by strategic necessity, and those of a few enhanced assistants of his whose temptation by greater heights would interfere. After using the command, Reynolds may reprogram them, or me, as idiot savants. Those are people who... Uh, that's how they want to treat him at the beginning of the story, right? The CIA wants to manipulate our our hero. Greco right. is his name, right? Um, and after using his command, Reynolds may reprogram them or me as idiots of us, having focused intentions and restricting self-metaprogrammers. Such deaths are necessary cost of his plan. I think he's accurate I- in assessing Reynolds here. I don't think he's an unreliable narrator at all. I think he's a very reliable narrator. Yeah, and, and, I agree. But the, the, the next two lines, I mean, sh- shows the difference between the two. And and then Reynolds goes, I make no claims of being a saint. Right. And then and and, and, th- and then Greco says, merely a savior. And it's almost like almost like a dismissal thing. Normals might think him a tyrant because they mistake him for one of them and they've never trusted their own judgment. They can't fathom that Reynolds is equal to the task. His judgment is optimal in questions of their affairs and – their notions of greed and ambition do not apply to an enhanced mind. Right. That's right. That's how that's how he justifies himself uh, f- for uh, what he just said previously about uh, you know if he has to kill a few people along the way. Well, you know that's because people don't trust themselves, so they think he's one of them, so they don't trust him. They don't realize that he actually does have what it takes to be able to make such judgments because, you know, he's the superior, the superior intelligent and he's, you know, a meta human. And that's, uh, that's how he justifies his, that's how we're supposed to think of him and say, okay, well, I guess he's not a bad guy. Yeah. Reynolds, you you mean, or our hero? Yes. No, Reynolds. Yeah. So Reynolds, Reynolds, although he also, he admits, he says just on that same page, he says, um, once as an experiment on a drug dealer, afterwards, and that is, he used the destruct command, right? After I concealed the evidence with a blow to the temple. So he killed somebody to test his power, to see that it was real, right. which is absolutely necessary, right? You cannot, you, uh, this is something Joe Rogan talks a lot about um, on his podcast, which I find endlessly interesting, even though a lot of the subjects are not interesting. He, he His curiosity is very interesting. One of the things he talks about is um, in UFC, which I, I have no interest in, you know, ultimate fighting. People yeah. have all these theories and had all these theories about which system of fighting was the best system. UFC admits all of them, right? So if you like karate, 
uh, or you like uh, jujitsu, or you like this, or you like that. Everybody can say, you know, this guy's uh, technique is amazing. He's the best black belt in whatever discipline it is, Krav Maga or whatever, right? How do you test it if you don't actually compete in the same circles? Well, that's what UFC does, is it brings all those things together, and you can actually find out which techniques are actually better, right? So if 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 you put two guys in a cage and neither of them has any weapons, one technique is going to be better as a general rule than others, although everything will help. You know, punching's not the best way. Wrestling is more important. And jujitsu seems to be the thing that works better than anything else. Now, if we are all standing around with swords... Uh, then there are sword disarmament techniques that uh, Steven Seagal's really good at <laughs> that, that um, would be useful. However, nobody stands around with swords anymore. And, uh, you know, guns are better than any of that. If you put a guy in a, an arena with a gun, um, the guy with the gun's going to win over the guy with the jujitsu. So it's all about the testing and seeing where, what techniques work. And, you know, we, as, we're all boys, right? Uh, we yeah. we all had to test our limits. Uh, probably got into a few fights here and there, and that is natural. That's what animals do when they're young. Is they, well, a lot of mammals, anyways. They test their their metal against other mammals, maybe their brothers and sisters, or just their brothers and their you know peers, and that sort of thing is natural, but. When he does it here, who does he kill? He kills a bad guy. Who does he kill? A drug dealer. A drug <laughs> These dealer. guys are drug drug users, right? So yep. the, he's not our our hero Reynolds, although a beneficent god in a certain sense, or will be. Um, he's still not without sin. And then when yep, he says, totally. "I make no claims to being a saint, merely a savior," I don't know that that's not necessarily unironic. I think he could be. Saying no, he is a gonna he is gonna be the savior of mankind. That's not my bag, but that's what what he's gonna do. And of course, when he kills our hero, or let's see, reduce him to how's the last line go? Um, dissolve, I, co- I comprehend the word right? and the means by which it operates, and so I dissolve. And we're just capitalized. Yes, of there. course, right? That's why. Yeah. That's the, the logos. Man. Yes, the logos exactly. Yeah, and because it's a, it, it's defined uh, somewhere earlier in in the book about uh, they use that uh, that term. I'm trying to find it right now, and I'm probably not going to be able to. Okay, the word it's on uh, page 32, which if you use the Numbers in on the uh, PDF page itself. I think it's page one sixteen. And uh, this the word is the sentence that, when uttered, would destroy the mind of the listener. Mm. So th- that's that's the 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 mantra that he was trying to uh, dish out. That would uh, you know that he was trying to trick um, Leon in, into. Uh, uh, realizing or or saying that would end in his death. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and throughout, I mean, there's a, there's a thing that's, uh, it, it makes the title of the, uh, the story, uh, uh, a really clever punchline mm-hmm. at the end of it throughout your, your, um, he's, you know, seeking this meta awareness for aesthetic purposes for his own self interests. And he's, uh, uh, will I achieve self awareness? Uh, will I achieve, achieve, uh, ultimate understanding? No, because I, I'm taxing my brain. My brain, uh, c- can only take so much. My mind is, is taxing the, the limits of the structure of my brain. So in the end, what happens is the uh, antagonist, uh, Reynolds, tricks him into, and you don't, you, you're not quite clear on whether he actually tricks him into ultimately, finally understanding or just tr- uh, tricks him into the trap of he had already really? tricked him at this point, right? He's he'd yeah, already programmed to, him, and uh, yeah, yes, and he was yeah, just triggering. He's triggering right. the mantra by by uh, finally saying the, understand. The word, understand. And he goes, at first I didn't understand, and then horrifyingly I do. Right. I comprehend. So he got that what he wanted, and, which is enlightenment, <laughs> which which blew his brain up. Yes. Because his brain wasn't able to. Yes take it uh, it's, it's very good it's a uh, really 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 clever punchline it on is the whole thing and the, the thing is is i have a certain feeling i have a certain feeling that this is this is less science than it is uh, fantasy um the mind is incredibly interesting and the brain and how it works and all the uh, all the ways like hormone k doesn't really explain how it works but I remember around the time that this story came out, there was a lot of stories, I'm sure you both remember, about fetal brain tissue. So you take mm-hmm. some a person who's had uh, some brain damage and you inject fetal brain tissue into that person's brain and that, it, when it's not rejected, um, can do repair. And that's essentially what happens. He's got anoxia before the story starts. He, his brain is very heavily damaged. Most of the people who who took uh, this hormone K were not as badly damaged as he was. That's why his effect is so good, right? And um, when he takes more hormone K, I was thinking maybe he needed to damage more parts of his brain so that um, he could he could have them repaired. It's interesting that he he seems to remember his former life, although notice he doesn't talk very much about it. There's no right. there's no girlfriend. There's no uh, he he has business right. He has a business that he runs from his home, um, but he doesn't seem to have any kind of life outside of uh, yeah that, which yeah. is interesting. Um, he's got his name, I guess. Uh, although they could have told him that as well. The important part, I think, is is that when looking at it through the lens of the other book, that uh, Dark Fields, which, uh, by the way, takes its name from a line in, uh, what's that book that everybody likes that got turned into a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Um, There's a line in the Great Gatsby, which is a book all about uh, people who, I haven't read it. I've only read parts of it that I have to when I'm helping students write about it. <laughs> um, but basically, it's a, it's a book about people without purpose. 
and they're sort of dancing around trying to find and impress other people and murder and you know riches and all that stuff that's that's my sense of the book anyways um the in the other book the dark fields um he is affected well by the drug because he was already smart to begin with it enhances what you have it increases what you have and i think that this is this is closer to a kind of possibility because it's really i think that that book is probably really about methamphetamine it's just you know experience of taking cocaine or taking methamphetamine and seeing the effects that it has on people which is to speed people up and make them uh more active in a certain sense although i i also hear they have paradoxical effects but i know this from myself there are periods when i'm more active and periods when i'm less active and your brain is not an engine uh because it it doesn't work the same way as a Le Mans. you know about you guys know about Le Mans cars how yeah the, sure. the 24 hour race that's right so the reason that's a very interesting race is because it's the continual racing not the not the it's it's about testing the vehicle to endure over an extended amount of high performance as opposed to years and years and years of normal performance which is what most yeah. cars get and so they have and that, to- that's that's perfect because i think what uh, what happens here i think the end game of, of the whole thing is that was reynolds weapon that end up killing leon i was trying to state it before but mm-hmm. i didn't do a very good job at it he gets him to the point where uh he implants the uh, the the mandala there mm, he implants mm-hmm. the, the code finally gets him to understand and that overtaxes his physicality to the point where it uh, you know it's beyond his endurance and that kills him so what you're saying is is is, is perfectly in line with with the with even that particular exact you know uh, denouement of the story yeah, and it's meta it's a metaphor and he talks i really like that he brings in poetry into this right like why is this guy composing poetry and uh, in multiple languages so that they can all work together because it is about uh, poetry is about words right and the thing is is we do have emotional impacts from words if you put the right combination of words together in the right audience if you know your audience and you know the right combination of words you can make them explode either in anger or in happiness or in laughter or in tears now i assume that if you can get a person who's you know on the border of having a heart attack uh or something you know uh, an aneurysm or something if you can find these things out um you could manipulate somebody into doing exactly that and the, the thing is is that he's pointing to real things right these uh, this is how writers and and ad writers but more importantly writers get their money is they are having an emotional or kind of some kind of impact upon the reader and that impact That's is right. strong enough that it makes you pay money or at least attention to that thing over and over and over again not the same story necessarily, but the same storyteller. And that that is 
I mean, we change our lives. The the penance, money, than the sword thing is a real thing. We change our lives. We sacrifice people's lives for words. Those things are more real for us than uh, most of the things that are going on in the earth. And and so when I think about those whales with no hands and unable to forge artifacts or make tools in a water environment, you can't get enough temperature to make. Even if you had manipulators, you would not be able to, in a watery environment, be able to forge metal tools. They They have lives that we can never understand. But we know that they must be incredibly complex because what they're te- what they're communicating to each other and how they even live and hunt is incredibly complex and that's that's fascinating so it's almost like this this kind of story which is very rare um and it, it, it even in the dark fields in limitless um you don't approach this kind of uh going hypercritical um allows us almost near insight into the lives of beings that are not like us. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, have either of you guys ever seen the movie Lucy? I don't think so. Um, Scarlett Johansson. Mm-mm. It, it, it came out a couple of years ago. It's, it's very, it's, it's mostly just an action movie, but it's basically the same sort of idea. Um, a drug, I should, I should have mentioned this before though, when you, when you suggested this, uh, to this topic that you, you two could rewatch it. Mm. Basically, basically a, a woman winds up becoming a drug mule and it's basically inserted into her. And unfortunately, as a result, the bags leak. And so she winds up ingesting the drug. Mm. And so oh, she, yeah. I, did, so she, I she, did see that. So she's, so, so she's getting superhuman abilities, both intelligence and, and uh, physicality. And, it's a psychokinetic here, and and that we have that in this as well, right? The end, psychokinetic. Yep. In, in, in the end, her solution is to basically um, use use machines to basically bootstrap herself into uh, transcendental. Yes, but the, the 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 movie itself isn't as interesting as Limitless or this or certainly this story in terms of exploring the metacognition theories. I mean, we get we get uh, Morgan Freeman babbling about some stuff every so often and and he gets some really things wrong like oh we only use 10 percent of our yeah, brains they said crap. that stupid bullshit in the limitless movie as well yeah yeah it yeah it, and that, it, it, that, that's absolutely... like uh, that that's why that le mans thing is really important to me right is that most people don't use the the engine at maximum rpm but when you do use your engine at maximum rpm and now i'm talking about your brain Mm-hmm. It cannot sustain that unlimitedly because it literally will kill you, right? That's why, I mean, the, the sleep is incredibly important because it's like rest for the for the car's engine. The car needs to cool down. the The fuel line needs to be flushed, right? You need to have um, a new air filter put in and. And stressing those things out, those stress tests are very interesting, and obviously. You know, we all have experienced adrenaline at some point, right? There's a reason you don't have adrenaline on all the time, because if you did, you'd, you'd die, right? It's right. it's there. It's a super fuel, but it's not it's not there uh, 
in an unlimited reserve because if it was, it would literally kill you. That's why it's not on all the time. And yet, um, I think there are real things about intelligence that are important. Like you can practice, like I see people who are just super good at like Mr. Jim Moon puts out a lot of podcasts. How does he do that? Um, I see sort of like me when I'm putting it like, I think, how did I get 5,000 PDFs on there? It's like, oh yeah, it's because I do it continuously, right? I always am doing it. And I, and I also work smart. I don't like try, like I used to try and push and push and push and push for certain things and just not get as much. So if you work smart in a certain sense, like you, you have a plan, but the plan is not, I'm going to follow this recipe all the way through, but rather you're going to say, I'm going to be open to this and I'm going to be open to that. And wherever you can push and get progress, that's where I'm going to push. That, yeah, that is real like, intelligence like to that, me. Uh, it, it's like that, that old saw and things like this are, uh, lasting and popular because because they're true but you know the, the journey of a thousand miles you know starts with one step yep. uh and uh you know you 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 get the advice of uh of people how to how to accomplish uh big tasks well you rome wasn't built in a day you know you can't uh you can't accomplish everything at once however you know one little detail, one little step at a time. The devil's in the details. You know, there's mm. a, a million mm-hmm. of those old saws that express that that idea. I think you're exactly right on the money. And there, for that. there, a lot of them are contradictory, but navigating and picking which ones to go with, the, the they're all attempts at wisdom. And the ones that sort of stick around, at least for a, a while, are are probably they got something to them, even if it's not a hundred percent right. So. Um, when I hear uh, what are supposed to be smart people, but I think are more like they're tapping into something rather than they're smart necessarily, saying stupid things, it's usually because they've got massive blinders on that they can't see something, that or they're they're committed to a a, a system or a person that is actually not <clears throat> what they think it is, and that that sort of commitment is is a big problem so when i used to debate a lot of people on the internet back in the days when there were forums i would see that often the people i was talking to the reason that they were saying stupid things is because they had made commitments that they were unwilling to examine and that that that's what this whole thing is about right that metacognition is things what so you guys you know there's another story by ted chang that i was thinking about this one that came after it's called exhalation you guys read this one no i don't think it's in stories of your life but it's it's a terrific story it's it's very interesting it's about a robot basically who lives in a world that is not our world um and he at one point in the story opens up his own brain and uses a mirror to look inside and see how it works. And he's, uh, I don't know, the Galen, is that the right word, of of the robot universe that he lives in? Um, that's, a good, that's a good metaphor for... He's like an early doctor, right? Except he's a robot, so I don't think they're called doctors. He's an early technician, right? Um, and he his universe is um, powered by uh, pneumatics, so... He, his being is powered by a, basically a, 
a tank of gas that is always being exhaled. And the whole universe is a tank of gas that's always being exhaled. So it's a very self-consistent, brilliant idea. But again, it comes back to examining the internal to examine the external. Right? I think that that's so interesting. That one of the things, again, I'm not a drug guy, but you know, when eyes dilate, when you're taking drugs, they say, oh, look, he's high. His eyes are yeah. super blown out. Right. My theory as to why that is happening is because the brain is thinking the the brain is thinking the body is thinking that the brain's not getting enough information and needs more light because yeah. you're so inside your own brain. And the thing is, is we do need to reduce the amount of light, not just to prevent damage to our eyes. But we also have to be able to focus in on particular things. This is why, you know, you can't be on the phone uh, folding laundry uh, reading a book and uh, t- having a conversation Podcasting. all at the same exactly all at the same time, right? So memory and 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 thought and action can be different parts of the brain and can work together, but you can't use all of them simultaneously very effectively. That multitasking thing only works in certain circumstances and in certain kinds of performance. So uh, this book. Uh, or this novelette or novella allows us to really see a brilliant guy, a guy who really does know what he's doing when it comes to writing amazing stories, and then see that, yeah, he he knows he can't really tell the truth here because he doesn't know the truth either, but he knows what truth sounds like, and it sounds like this, something like this, mm-hmm. right? I want to read that that poet the poetic canto that he's talking about early on composing, and I think it it might be this novel. Did you guys see the art uh, from the original publication in in um, that I tweeted at you, Isaac Asimov's science fiction? Uh, yeah, it looks like kind of a um, There's two naked dudes, or maybe they're wearing bathing suits. Um, that look pretty much very similar, similar haircuts, similar, you know, muscles. And one of them's climbing over a brain that's also a skull. And the other is facing him opposite. Yeah. And I think that's pretty good art. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think I understand it completely, but I do think that it matches what's going on in the story. Is, he's almost like one of them's almost climbing out of his own brain there. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it's a cool uh, cool picture. I, when I first saw it, it's too big to display in one piece on my screen, uh-huh. so I didn't realize there were even two guys. <laughs> I saw saw this one guy climbing over the brain, but now there's two. Okay, it uh, represents our uh, our two main characters. And the brain that's coming out of the skull is way too big for the skull. Yeah. Well, with the, with, yeah, I mean, and that, that's a metaphor, yeah, for mm-hmm. the hyper hyper intelligence right. that both characters that's what have. They always have aliens, right? They always have these massive skulls. It's a it's a symbol, but actually, uh, it you know, it's not the size of your your brain necessarily that makes you, because our brain our brain sizes as a species is it's, small it's, compared it, it, to it, whales and elephants. 
It's it's brain body ratio and what kind of brain you have. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm surprised you haven't mentioned protector in mm. this conversation mm. so far, Jesse. Another another Similar, one yeah. where we get hyperintelligence by means of yeah the tree of life. Yep, and it's a and, similar, and, but uh, the, the difference there is he gets a particular, they all get a particular drive, right? Which is right. more a species. See that that is for, almost for to protect your children. Yes, and that that's almost that could be a way of explaining how certain kinds of intelligence can evolve. But hummingbirds, you know, they're not big brain creatures. They don't need to be, not for the niche they're in. The thing is, is because we we have this this uh, metacognition thing, we can create the niche, or at least destroy the niche that we're in. <laughs> Hope that we can create a niche, but we're certainly changing the environment to fit our needs in a way that most animals do not. And that that is a a, a continuous, constant choice by by the creatures that that look like us it's very interesting and i i really i do think that there are stupid people like people who you know developing developmentally broken in ways like with lead that's really bad for your brains right and a fetal alcohol really bad for your brains the development and i think locking a kid in a basement with no comic books for 20 years is going to be really bad for his brains Although maybe not. Maybe, maybe he's really good at dreaming his own his own cantos in his brain, and probably not. Um, but I think behavior is also part of it, like just getting the right habits and having somebody teach you the right habits, or at least absolutely. And one thing that's uh, one thing uh, he touches on here too is it it also is uh, intention and purpose. So he, he just touches on it, doesn't mm-hmm. make a, a huge deal about it, but. Uh, uh, you know, that's part of it, too. And, uh, you know, we see the tension between um, one guy's totally self-interested and one guy's a self-appointed savior who's going to save the world. You know, there's two different intentions trying to use the same tools for uh, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I, Incompatible reasons. I, I like the exactly. I, I, I like the way also in the text when they do get into conversation, it turns almost into programming because there's no quotation marks anymore. There's these greater and lesser than signs. Right. right. And and seeing the capitalization of the word, there there are a few things that in the metatextual uh, part, you know, the, the italics and stuff that you might miss in the audio. Yeah. Right. Sorry, you were going to um, say something, Paul. I, I, w- I was. So, I mean, you were talking earlier before about how this feels more like fantasy than science fiction. And one thing that does disappoint me that aside from Hormone K – and some mentions of what he does for a living. There's only one. There's only one bit that actually tells you that it's in the future and not in the present. And that's when he's in. That's when he's in uh, Pittsburgh. He, he took, uh, so he's in Pittsburgh and he's trying to get to the courier. I'm going to read this. Mm-hmm. I'm parked in a rental car around the corner from a skyscraper in Pittsburgh. In my jacket pocket is a small circuit board with a keypad. I'm looking down the street in the pedestrian in the direction the courier will arrive from. Half the pedestrians wear white air filter mm, masks. Mm-hmm. The visibility is good, so that's suggesting that yeah, the the climate and whatnot has gone worse because that's the, well, we don't have people have people walking around with white filter masks I do. here. I mean, I do. that's a thing in China. <laughs> no, that's a thing here all the time. Yeah, it, 
all the time. Yeah. Um, now they're not always paper, but and they're not always white, but yeah, it it is a thing. But I'm not sure that it's necessarily a pollution thing. I think, I I mean, part of it I think is is um, people hiding, right? You know what hoodies are for, right? Is hoodies actually restrict your vision? Why why do people do that? Well, it restricts people's vision of them, and it also restricts your own vision and makes you feel cozy. And when you're in a big city, <laughs> um, do you really need to feel uh, like the eyes of everybody on? Like, there's all sorts of really, like, women are really much more likely to wear, I think, maybe I'm wrong. It seems to me in my walking around and I see people wearing filter masks. I've worn them, right, when the weather's bad. Um, but when you're sick, right, um, you don't want to spread your germs. There's all sorts of reasons why people wear these masks when the weather isn't bad, and it's very interesting because it. There, there's another one that we get here that you probably don't see much where you guys are, um, because we got a, lot, a huge Asian population. Is I call them welder masks. They're not really welder masks. They're they're uh, basically a giant pair of sunglasses that are in the shape of a fold downable uh, baseball cap, except it's not really a baseball cap because the it it is designed to cover your whole face, and the reason I've been told that they do that is to because they want to keep their skin pale as opposed to tanned, right? And I guess protect their skin. But also, it allows you to hide, right? If you don't like the way you look, if you don't like uh, the fact that you didn't put on makeup or maybe that you have a pimple, it's and if everybody's doing it, then it's licensed to do it, right? What makes, mm-hmm. what makes me feel weird is when I'm the only one wearing a filter mask and the air quality is very bad. I've got a, a good filter mask that I bought. I wear it because I don't like the effect on my lungs and my headaches and stuff that come from that. I see people looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, you're the crazy ones. <laughs> but if, if, a, if a certain critical mass of people start doing something, then it becomes acceptable. And so I, I think that he is right in showing that seen and pointing out that the air isn't bad because these sort of trends change everybody used to wear hats man how do you explain that <laughs> yeah everybody it, wore hats it was it was, it was fashion. the fashion man and plus uh taken to another extreme uh you you can see this in the same place as you see all the hats usually in uh you know old black and white movies from the 40s and 30s they're also Smoking their asses off all the time. It's like tobacco hell. You know, that's sort of coming and, back and with that, vaping. That was, an ex- that was an acceptable fashion. Vaping, vaping is really interesting because people who who would have been ashamed to be smoking are vaping very uh, openly and talking about openly. it. And and yeah. it, it is very interesting because the pressure to to push things down is unacceptable. Right. Like wearing baseball hats. It, that's the only kind of hat that really most people around here wear. I guess if you go to Texas or Alberta, you'll get some some other kinds of hats. Right. Um, cowboy hats. But uh, baseball hats around here are a, a fashion item for like fake street kids. Right. You know, like uh, the, the ki- a lot of my students who give six hundred dollar T-shirts at birthday parties like. What? <laughs> what? And then they, yeah, exactly. Like that's a standard gift what? item. 
<laughs> like, or yeah, I have students talking about the two hundred dollar T-shirts. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? So it, there are all sorts of strange phenomena going on. But what made me think that that this this story is fantastic in the fantasy element is because I don't know that there could ever be a drug uh, that, or a hormone that could regenerate. Uh, brain tissue like this but i don't really care what i like is that he's sort of created a, a metaphor for a kind of approach to to um that direction and mm-hmm. and then said uh in a way um the, the, that's why i like looking at the other things on that movie on uh, limitless um, in the book, the ending is um, it, it almost is like the ending of Dagon. Um, he's sort of screwed, um, and we don't know if he's going to kill himself or or he has killed himself or whatever. the The way that story is told is past tense with present tense, um, interrupting it every once in a while. He's telling the story. He's in this hotel room. He's typing it up. This is how it happened, right? And he says, "I look around at the room." And see the shitty wallpaper and the, uh, uh, you know, ship, uh, a painting of a ship above the bed. And then he goes back to telling the story. In this, note that we don't expect the ending where he, he is dissolved and dies because it's told first person. But it's told pers- first person in the right tense. Right, it's told exactly. in yep. present tense. So I'm standing, right? Not I was standing, and I, right. it, we got tricked. He, yep. Ted Chiang is doing what Reynolds is doing, and we're the protagonist. That's why exactly. we're blown away. <laughs> clever, clever, clever boy. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Is that any better? No. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's a $800 mic. It better start sounding good soon. <laughs>